Welcome back. It's Doable Discipleship, and I'm Doug Jones. And to my right and to my other right, it's... Rob Jacobs. And... Jason Wheeland. Well played, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I said my name well. Since no one knows where we are and we have a portable backdrop, let's say we're at the former site of the Garden of Eden, broadcasting oh. not live, but after the fact, <laughs> because that's how podcasts work. Are we wow. east of Eden? <laughs> or, uh, and since no one knows where that is, <laughs> look, this is a fun imagination anyway. exercise. All right. Last week, we talked about worldview, and it was important. It was an important discussion. Today, we're continuing the talk about uh, worldview by examining the first of four questions that we said a good worldview needs to answer. The yes. things that we observe, the questions that we know linger in the human heart, how do we answer them? First, how did everything begin? How did all that we see come to exist? Second, why are things the way that they are? Third, how can things be made right? And fourth, how will everything end? Today, we're talking about that first one, which is how did everything begin in the first place? Every good worldview needs to account for this. Lots of different worldviews paint this picture a lot of different ways. It's a big question. But we don't think they're all necessarily logical, rational conclusions. So True. let's get into that. Uh, first, you want to take us into a little bit on why origins are important? Like, why does it even matter? Why should we care how things came to exist? Right. Well, origins are important um, because it carries implications of what is valuable. Um, if we believe that we're value valuable, if we believe that we have worth, um, if we believe uh, that those things are in, intrinsic to us and inherent in us, then how we came to be would ultimately be answering those things. And even if it's true, it doesn't make sense to believe that we're valuable. It doesn't make sense to uh, say that we're worth and we have purpose mm-hmm. if we don't believe that we are created by God, that we somehow just arose through the primordial ooze and through chaotic random selection, here we are. Um, if you look at um, kind of the biological materialistic view of things, it's going to say, well, natural selection, you know, the strong survive, the weak die. And if, and I don't think there's any one of us who, at least as a, a believer, would think, well, that's that's good, right? You know, like, there's a reason that we believe that um, people are valuable and that the weak should not just die and should not just be, and yeah. they should be, like, and that's an origins question, right? That's a, That becomes from our belief in our origins. Um, the idea of survival of the fittest, you know, that's a materialistic view, but we don't hold to that because we believe our origin gives us value and worth and we have the image of God. And so there's this idea that um, we need to, you know, care for others, even the weak or children. You know, you look at even the way God designed kids. I mean, mm. They stay with us a long time. Some of us yeah. for a really long time. I mean, you know, <laughs> some of us are still in our garage of our parents. But um, so there's even you just look at that and say, God's just done a little thing different. With yeah. man, um, it's interesting to note also that wherever you wherever you stand on on uh, the place of evolution in the you know historical progression of life, it really doesn't matter from a Christian worldview. Like you don't really need to say like evolution's wrong, blah blah blah, which a lot of Christians typically do. But the point I want to make here is that that still doesn't answer the origins question. Even yeah. even taking uh, a strictly evolutionary worldview does not answer the question of where did life come from. That's no right. one knows the answer. Science has not produced an answer to that question, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that one is going to resist being discovered. Um, so this origins question is extremely important because having a known like if, if your worldview has a known start, then everything kind of proceeds from that initial moment. That moment matters. 
um, for all the reasons that you've already stated. But I think that's a like harking back to last week's discussion about worldview. That you know your worldview needs to be able to account for the big things that we see in the world and. Right, and not every worldview can even account for the very existence of the universe or the very existence right. of life itself. So, thinking back to that, so we in the last episode we were talking about what we call the law of causality, right? Yeah. So we so we said that there are three laws that relate to that. That anything that has a beginning has a cause, yeah. and we said that the universe has a beginning, and so therefore the universe had a cause. And then we also kind of talked about that. That leaves us then with two options on origin for us. That that no one created something out of nothing, which would be the believer's view, I mean, the atheist view, that no, that there's no God, there's no transcendent being, and they created something out of nothing, where the believers, and us as Christians say that someone, a creator, a designer, God, created something, us, the world, the universe, out of nothing. Yeah. Um, so those two views have um, massive um, ramifications as they play out yeah. into our lives and into our societies. So here on, we'll be talking primarily from the Christian perspective. We're now going to be telling the, the Christian story. Uh, we're going to be telling the story of reality, you know, from the stance of the Christian worldview. So lots of different ways of telling the story, but this is, this is the one that obviously we hold to, probably the one that you hold to if you are a regular watcher of the show, but wherever you come from, this is where you can kind of hear the, the basics laid out. Um, so, Jason, why don't you take us into the, the first big question, how did God create? Yeah, so how, good de- how did God create? we got a couple of big points that we're going to be touching on here, but the first big one I think that Rob just mentioned kind of briefly as he was talking is this idea of, is God created out of nothing? And really, that's a huge concept to think about because uh, our human minds really can't comprehend the idea of nothing. Like, if you think about nothing, you usually think of blank space. Well, there's no space. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. Like, Imagine there were like no the, space. The, yeah, there's literally no such thing as light or dark. There's no such yeah. thing as space it's or It's so no hard space. to imagine because whatever you're imagining, that's still it's imagining something. something. <laughs> yeah, you're smuggling some image of something into I'm imagining your yeah. a blank void there. That's something. Well, yeah. good job. You just label a void. Yeah. yeah. So what we're talking about is nothing. So no space, no time, no matter no energy, literally just God. Ex nihilo. Is that the... Uh, nihilo. Yes. Yeah, or nihilo, yeah. nihilo. It's creatio ex nihilo, whatever they, it's yeah. the term. But yes, so literally creation out of nothing. Um, so, you know, and, and yes, there is like a debate on on what the timeline of creation is. There's some people who think it's, you know, it's... An old Earth versus a young Earth approach. So it's either billions and billions of years ago, or it's thousands of years ago, or whatever. We're not going to get into that debate here, yeah. but but the main point, the crux of this that that we need to have this foundation on is that God created everything out of nothing. Yeah, sheer nothing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob. Uh, what about the the objection that people raise? Like, so so there are some who challenge the idea that God created the universe with the question, well, who created God? Right. And What's the answer to that? Yeah, so that the very question is an, an illogic question because it's it's a definition question. They're, they're confusing the question, the definition of God. God, by definition, is just like Jason was talking about space, time, matter, and energy. God, by definition, is outside of all of these things. So he is eternally existent. He had no creator. He is the uncreated being. Yeah. Um, so he did not come from a creator because then that would presuppose logically, well, then who created that? So God is uh, 
the the being that has existed forever. Um, he's been outside of time. He's been outside of space. He's been outside of uh, matter. Um, and so that's yeah. That's basically yeah. The, he's the uncreated one. I mean, that's, yeah. Know, the question of who created God is silly because God God by definition was uncreated. And and this is why it it gets hard because you 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 have to reach outside of time, like yeah. you were saying a second ago, because, well, so like what, God has existed forever? And when you say forever, you probably mean for a an long infinite time? regression right. of time, <laughs> like an infinite regression back and an infra- infinite regression forward. But you forget that time is a thing that God made. God yeah. created time. Yeah, Time is not something that God is caught up within the way we are. Like God doesn't live in the, it's in the continuum of time. He lives outside of it entirely. Like time is to God what a pebble in your hand yeah. is you know it's just it, it's not like god was sitting around going oh i've been around for so long eons and eons. it's yes. infinite amounts of time and, no. and 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 physicists they it, they have a hard time saying even what time itself is if you say well what is time well it's a measurement of things that have happened yeah but you, the measurement great but what what itself is time i know how you're measuring it you're measuring yeah. with minutes hours and seconds but tell me what it is well I'm not exactly sure what that is. Yeah. So when you say like God existed before creation, th- that doesn't even make sense actually yeah. because there was no before. There was no before. There was no time continuum to refer to. Right. This is where this is where we have to acknowledge the transcendence of God. That God does not play by the rules of His own creation. In the in this sense, God is not bound by the rules of His own creation. He is not contained within the the things that he has made. And we have to also acknowledge then our also our own finiteness. Now, right. there we just yeah. we do not have minds that are capable of thinking. But it's why it's it's why God calls himself I am. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. it's just is. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to say yeah. I was, I will be, although those things are said because God has personally inserted himself mm-hmm. into the timeline of history in 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 that personal and, and intimate way with with mankind and with creation, but but to to try to contain God within that makes no sense at all, and th- this is really really important. So if you eliminate time, then this idea of eternality and before this and after that breaks down, and the problem of God just simply existing isn't really is, an issue. Yeah. It's not really a logical problem because you're separating God from the laws that govern the world that He made. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I am thing is such a you know it's the ancient Hebrews could never have known you know what a like the the, the power sure, in that statement yeah. is just incredible. Those two simple, actually, there's one word that Yahweh word is just so meaning packed. Like I, I neither was nor will be. I mm-hmm. simply am. Yeah, At all times so I meaning am. packed that even what like the the Israelites they were they want like they didn't like to use that word because there was so much power and yeah. meaning in that they would just say the word <laughs> and not to be chronological snobs or anything like that like we're not saying that we have any better grasp of that either like you hear us wrestling with what this with the idea of eternity and infinity and nothingness like we still can't get our heads around those ones but man powerful powerful stuff uh, we also know so god created out of nothing uh no one created god god is the uncreated being um and he is the only one uh we also know he created an orderly world that's governed by predictable laws. Um, this creation that he has made operates on the basis of laws that we can predict. In fact, that's what enables uh, a study. You know, we have a discipline that we call science because of those predictable laws. Exactly. Yeah. Without those predictable laws, there would be no basis for discovery. Uh, this would be a bizarro world where anything could happen <laughs> at any time, and there would be no rational basis for anything that occurs around us. Dogs there would and be cats no living together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pandemonium. <laughs> yes, it's, it's interesting that even the the predict that those laws, mathematics, physics, logic, that those very things point to a creator because it would be impossible 
for us to be able to explain anything without those things. So when people say, well, logically, I can deduce that there is no God, it's like, actually, logic itself proves there is a God because you can't appeal to anything else if you don't have those things. And God is the giver of these laws of physics and mathematics and logic and those sorts of things. Yeah, the... Evidence of mind in creation that that, mm-hmm. that God's thought process mm-hmm. has been it has been planted in creation. Oh, by the way, I want to go back too to this idea of uh, out of nothing. Before we pass on, a couple weeks ago, um, Pastor Rick talked about the Big Bang on the weekend, right? And mm-hmm. you know, you made the point last week in our in our talk about how you know Rick said this is the classic thing that if you've got a Big Bang, the laws of of the laws of causality dictate that there must be a Big Banger. There has to be someone who initiated that. So Christians actually. Let me put this to rest. Christians don't necessarily have to take issue with the Big Bang. Now, we don't necessarily have to, like, we're not going to get into all the particulars of, like, various cosmologies. We're not going to do that here. But uh, Rick said, I'm good with the Big Bang. He's like, where there's a Big Bang, there's a Big Banger. Yeah. But what I, what I think is very interesting is if you talk to, if you, if you hear from a physicist, they'll tell you that what Christians claim happened at the moment of creation, that God created you know, matter, space, mm-hmm. time, and energy. That's exactly what scientists happened. claim happened at right. the point of the Big Bang. They say that there was no space, that the Big Bang was an actual expansion of space. Space came into existence, time came into energy, yeah. matter, all came into existence in this event. So it's very peculiar. And that's interesting <laughs> to too, find because, the and to speak that science itself changes. So we always yeah. say, oh, science is so. Con- no, science is changing itself. For many years, scientists thought that the universe was eternal. Right. And now, you know, they've come to the same place that Genesis 1 is. In the beginning, you know, the word is spoken and things, you know. The universe is expanding, but it will contract. Yeah. And yeah. just as with the origin of life, there's no answer to the how. There's, there's a lot of theories that are postulated, but there is no, there is no knowledge of how the universe came. But yes, that's, that's actually interesting. In fact, when I, was in, when I was doing my undergrad, I took an astronomy class. And at, even at that time, there was still a holding to this idea of this infinite expansion and contraction that the universe expands in a big bang, and then gravity takes over and eventually mm-hmm. pulls everything in. Scientists now believe that that's not the case at all. In fact, the expansion of the universe seems to be increasing in speed. How can that be? Um, dark matter, dark energy, I was going to say, you want to get into <laughs> it. Not to get into all that That stuff. sounds fun. <laughs> not to get into all that. But um, yeah, very, very powerful truth. Again, always psychs me out when, because, let me put another one to rest. Christians are not enemies of scientific discovery. In fact, historically, Christians and science have more often than not gone together. We love to see this universe understood better. That's, I think that's one of the gifts that God has given us is the ability to explore this, this unimaginably huge, complex, and gorgeous creation that he's made, um, but also that we don't do that at the expense of, um, like Romans 1 says, denying the maker right. and worshiping the thing that was made. In fact, some, a lot of those scientists who you know, would study you know, creation and, and, or just, you know, cosmology, you know, cosmology or astrology or mathematics, they did so because they believed in God and knew, well, God is a rational being and has created these laws. So therefore these things are things that we could perceive and understand and study. Again, without those laws, what is there to study and what is there to perceive? There's just no rationale for anything. So the er early science relied upon that, uh, made that assumption that those things existed. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. <clears throat> Onward, we also know that God created in a personal way. Um, so we know that God has intimate knowledge of his entire creation and that he's, he's made himself present within it, that God is here with us. This is um, the two theological words we use is, is God's omnipresence, which is the idea that God is present always everywhere, mm-hmm. um, and also his imminence, which is the idea that God is not just transcendently uh, 
omnipresent or omnipotent, all powerful, but that God is also imminently close, like He is here with us, like right. close as your next heartbeat, kind of thing, like always present all the time. And there are a couple of passages <clears throat> that we pulled for this, and there are many passages that we could have pulled for this. We just we just grabbed two of them. Uh, the first one is Isaiah forty verses twenty five through twenty six, and I'll read uh, each of these real briefly. This one says, "To whom will you compare me?" This is God speaking. Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after one, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. So this verse gives us this picture of God having named the stars, that that every single one is individual and he is aware of them all. So this deistic God, that this idea that God created and left and is no longer present in his creation is refuted by this passage here. God not only made the universe, but he also is present within it and is conscious of every activity that's happening on the grandest scale, as we see through these, you know, the stars of the sky, um, but also <clears throat> in the more um, intimate and close up the macro scale here in Job 10, verse 10 through 12, it says, you guided my conception and formed me in the womb. You clothed me with skin and flesh and you knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. So God is actively involved in the in the continuation of life. We even have passages that say that it's by him all things are held yeah, together. Yeah, all things are held together. Yeah. Interesting stuff that we could go into there, but shouldn't do that. Jason, why don't you take us into the next big question? Well, before I forget, I wanted to hit, hit on, is there's this new song that just came out. I think it's by Hillsong. It's called So Well I, or A Hundred Billion Stars mm. is what it's called. And it's basically, it's, it's this song about creation. It's about it's it's about how god how he know how he was he, he caused everything and how he you know everything bows to him ultimately it's yeah. good um so I, I would check out that song it's really cool anyway you're welcome hillsong there you go i know free plug <laughs> um, it just blew up <laughs> <laughs> whoa <laughs> okay um okay uh why did god create this is a big point because it's it's not like god was compelled you know by some outside force to create. That's not the case. God created for his own his own a pleasure, I think is the word that. Yeah. His God created for his own pleasure. He wanted to create. He is he 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 wasn't being poked into creation. He wasn't like, "Hey, yeah. Hey, no one hey, dared him. Yeah, it wasn't a dare. It wasn't like a. He wasn't bored. <laughs> yeah, and that's a big point. Is he wasn't bored. He he wasn't sitting around going, "What to do? What to do?" No, God created for His own a pleasure. He wanted to. He did not need to create. It and creation is an expression of God's goodness and His originality. Everything that we see, the entirety of the universe is an expression of how creative and original God is. There, literally, like you see the pictures of like the universe, of like the nebula clouds, of the quasars, of the super, you know, all this stuff like that. And you're like, or the filaments when you pan back to like the broadest picture that exactly. we can see. Exactly. It's so crazy to look at and you're like, you know, wow. And what we should be saying is, wow, is God so cool? Yeah, that he forms all this stuff, and you know, in, 
with intention. Yeah. I think is a big point. It's not like he just made it and just and just let it do its thing. It, is he knew everything and he formed he continues to to hold and to preserve as we talked about just a minute ago. Yeah. And a big point in this is he made everything for his own sake. It's because he wanted to. Yeah. And um so as we talk about what it means to have a worldview and to answer this question of how did it all begin or or where or where does it all come from when you think about that god created for his pleasure for his own sake he didn't need to create but he chose to he wanted to yeah. that is a huge point in developing a world view yeah this this point has long been a motivator for worship for human beings um mm-hmm. and and rick in the same message that we referenced earlier he was talking about how um, we can see God's handiwork. We can see his, we can see the things that He has done and know quite a bit about Him just based on what we see. But I just I'm struck by use that word originality is just like everything that human beings create is derivative, right? Everything that we do is inspired by something else that exists within creation. God created the universe without any frame of reference. You know, <laughs> with it's not it's completely it's original. Nothing it that is we not can derived from of, yeah. anything. So it's like it's staggering that God could just th- trying to like. <laughs> just not of course not even trying to comprehend but just to like reflect on the mind of god and the incredible complexity that he's made and he did it just sheerly out of his own creative power yeah and not, and not only in not only that but also he did it and he said that it was good yeah yeah right that's a big that's point. really important um colossians 1 15 through 17 <clears throat> says he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all uh, of creation for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. That last line in particular, everything was created through him and for him, yeah. pretty much sums up this idea of of how God created it and and why it was for him. Yeah. Yeah. For this, his glory. This is, I mean, this is a bigger question than just, we'll kind of land it here and we, this could be a whole nother episode, but it is interesting to see how the Trinity is present in creation. And um, that speaks again to worldview because God is not just singular. God is, you know, the idea of the Trinity of, of three persons and they were already existing in this in this perfect relationship of love. So God is creating out of this overflow of His love. He's getting glory from it. Uh, but again, just interesting to think about if you know if you even just say, "Well, I believe in just a, a Creator," um, but is it really the God of the Bible? Is it, is it the Trinity? Um, because th- there's something unique and powerful in that. Um, and yeah. so, just something, another thing to consider. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about what is humankind. So what are human beings in relation to this God? Um, We know that, according to the Bible, human beings are very much like any other creature, at least any other terrestrial creature. We, um, like all mammals, have hair, produce live young. (laughs) You know, we have like... We have to eat, it's like and a breathe, biology and textbook. drink, and all that stuff. Like, <laughs> we have commonality with with the physical beings, right? Yeah. So right. we know that in We're a all sense, cellular, molecular DNA. In know. a sense, there is an animal element to human beings, but we know that there is also this crazy, um, really interesting and powerful dynamic that exists with human beings as well. That we are made in the image of God. 
that we possess his image. And we can talk briefly about what that means, but um, in essence, human beings are not mere animals, but we also, while we exist physically, we also have a spiritual element or a spiritual facet to our existence, that we're creatures who have a unique ability to live in this created world, to live in this physical world, and yet also relate meaningfully with God. And so you can kind of boil down this made in the image of God thing to, to basically mean that human beings were made by God good, and we'll talk about what happened next week and how things seem so not good now, but God made us to be good. He made us in his image, and that in making us in his image, he made us to possess enough of his own qualities that personal, meaningful relationship between us and him might be possible. That's, I think, the easiest way to boil it down. We possess many of the same qualities that make God God, and we do so, it seems, in contrast to any other created being. Even the angels aren't described as being made in God's image. Certainly no other animals described as made in God's image. So this is a powerful aspect of human existence unique, that sets yeah. us apart, right. makes us unique in all creation, at least as far as we know, at least as far as is revealed in the scriptures. Yeah. And that is a powerful, powerful truth. Yeah, and though we though we came from dust, you know, and we'll return to dust, we are uh, the beloved dust, as uh, yeah. <laughs> Jamie Goggins' book once is titled. But um, and there's that uniqueness of the human position as we we have a responsibility and an authority to creation um, that God has given us, and you see that in Genesis. And so while we are you know part of creation, we stand in a way we stand apart from it. Um, because of the uniqueness of being made in God's image and our responsibility and role to creation, yeah. um, which we do so poorly at. Yeah. Well, and, and God, there's an, an aspect of this too that, um, and, and Kokel talks about this in his book, which we referenced last week, Greg Kokel's uh, The Story of Reality, that human beings, uh, unlike animals, possess a uh, possess moral instinct. That, you know, we don't hold we don't hold animals accountable really for doing bad things to each other like they eat each other they attack each other they you know grizzlies will kill baby grizzlies like just this stuff happens and we don't consider it to be a moral thing we right just see it as animals behaving instinctively Instinct, yeah. they're just doing what they do um but human beings are different we're held to a different standard we hold ourselves to that standard and from the biblical worldview we believe god holds us to a higher standard because as you said we were we were made with authority over this creation that god god created us and then gave us um, this interesting, it gave us the office of overseer, right? Which we have we've abdicated the throne of this world in, in so many ways, which we'll again talk more about in the future. But um, this is this is extremely important to understand the place of mankind, and 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 there is a I'll let you guys speak to this too. But there's a, an objection against Christianity that it's narcissistic to think of human beings as like the center of this universe. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I well, well I think you're you're I think you're making a, a strong point about um, just when you look at the uniqueness of man, and if you start to compare worldviews, to say that oh we're all the same as every animal, and then hold yourself above that and hold yourself to a different standard, you're not living um, with integrity in your own worldview. Yeah. So if 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 all of us are just the exact same and we just arose out of natural selection, and you know we we can get in all the science of it, but but then you somehow put yourself above animals or you know or, or live differently then somehow you're not being consistent with your worldview now if you hold you that you were created that you're unique that you were designed that you know the image of god lives in you then you should absolutely be holding yourself to a different standard and accountability but um it's interesting to me that 
the the non-theist view or the materialist view um, of people talk about you know the origins of of humanity and just you know the idea where well, you're just one of many animals and it's like yeah but you don't live any way like that you hold yourself to a complete different standard and why are you doing that or or why don't you hold those animals to that same standard like when you said when you know other species eat their young or you know animals you know attack other animals and you know we don't hold to that in humanity, right? Like murder is murder, but in the in the animal kingdom, it's just the law of the jungle. So, yeah. for us, know. the death of the weak is considered an injustice. Exactly, and then and then the other way, it's that's natural selection at its best. That's enhancing right. the the strength of the species. So, yeah. just again, that consistency of are you really living the way you're saying you believe? Because m- most people are not doing that. Yeah. Like going back to what I was saying, like there's a like I've heard it said. I've watched some debates, and I I, I hear people bring this up sometimes. They think like the Christian worldview places human beings on a pedestal that they say they aren't worthy to be placed on, and and you might even say that fallen human beings maybe don't deserve that pedestal in in some senses. But they places they 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 submit this argument that are you saying Christians that amidst this vast creation, so vast we don't even really see the end of it yet. But what we do see is so incredibly vast and so huge, and we within it are so insignificant and small, how can we possibly see ourselves as having some special relation to some transcendent being and within among all this creation that God would take notice of us? Which, by the way, even like the psalmist marveled at that idea that God would take note of, of people so small as us in comparison yes, to creation. Who but, am I? But one of the, <laughs> excuse me, one of the... One thing that I've heard said before, uh, John Lennox made this point before, and he does does so eloquently. But he talks about how size and value are not the same. You know, uh, even Rick has said babies are small, but we still treat them with incredible value. You know, a baby's smaller than a car, but we value a, car, a baby over a car. Um, but there's also this truth remembering that remembering the perspective of God that size is irrelevant to God. Like we think like. Well, because we are just tiny creatures that inhabit a tiny planet in a comparatively tiny galaxy, uh, in an obscure part of that galaxy, in an obscure cluster, and you know, they say that because we're so insignificant in terms of size, that we're insignificant in terms of value, and that is an important value judgment that dictates how you see human beings. Um, but I think it's it's actually I think pretty interesting, and I think it's a statement on God's behalf to say that within all of this that I've made, I do look at you as special. I do see you as valuable. And the second we stop looking at ourselves that way, that's when terrible human suffering is inflicted upon people by people. Like as soon as you start deprivileging human beings in creation, you give yourself permission to treat people as less than human. Right. You mm-hmm. give your you give yourself permission to treat people with uh, horrible contempt, to forget about the needs of others, to oppress the weak or even eliminate the weak. Um, all kinds of evil can flow from that. And again, on our v- worldview, we can use the word evil and mean it, and it means something. Uh, but I think this is so important that we get this perspective of human beings that God made us, God made us to be good, and that God made us for relationship to Him. And He gave us all the tools, all the attributes that are necessary to have meaningful relationships. And I think that again speaks to the, you know, the 40 days of prayer campaign as well. Like, this is who is praying to God. That you you were not just some you know, lowly, unloved, you know, clump of biological matter that we are um, saints in God's eyes. I mean, this is who he wants to to pray. So again, this should just be reminding you that, that when you're praying, not only are you praying to this amazing God, but, you know, you have worth and value, and that's why God wants to communicate with you. You're his yeah. child. Yeah. 
So we've covered the origins, and I know we could say a lot more about this. And luckily, we have an indefinite, indefinite number of future episodes. So we will <laughs> undoubtedly be back to the origins conversation in the future because there's so much more to say that we just can't fit into this episode. But again, we want to cover. <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> still getting over this tickle cough. We want to cover those four big questions, and so we've we've kind of begun with the origins question today. How did everything begin? Next week, we're going to talk about basically where things went wrong. Because regardless of the worldview you hold, you acknowledge that the world is not as good as it ought to be or as good as it could be. That's why you still feel this gut-level reaction to the injustice and the horrible things that you see occurring in the world, regardless of where you stand or, as Rob said, what you claim to believe. Because you may claim to believe in a worldview that doesn't acknowledge tragedy as tragedy. It simply is what it is. But yet, there's something in you that responds with maybe anger, with uh, outrage, with pain and sorrow when you see terrible things happening. So tomorrow we're going to talk about under the not tomorrow <laughs> next week we're going to talk about under the <laughs> biblical worldview. Aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a quick turnaround. Uh, we're going to talk about under the biblical worldview how things went wrong, and then the weeks following we'll talk about how they can be made right. So thanks for watching. Thanks oh. for listening. Oh, are we not going to do doable steps? Oh, this is my doable bad. My bad. My bad. I forgot. Bring us home, Jason. Jason bring Come us on. home. Oh, well, okay. Come on, guess. Okay. I'm glad you... See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> End with Jason. Yeah. Cut Doug's mic, Jason. If you're still here, <laughs> we're going to talk about some doable steps. <laughs> These morning recordings, man. I know, I know. They're getting to I have no too. brain in the morning. Um, okay, so we wanted to mention a couple things. First off is uh, we have a course at Saddleback called Foundations. We've talked about it a few times throughout the show. It's written by Pastor Tom Holliday and Kay Warren. Covers the 11 core truths about the Christian faith and one of which is creation. So there are two weeks um, in the course that are spent on the topic of creation. Um, So it's in the new year, uh, Foundations is going to be kicking off at a bunch of campuses. So uh, be on the lookout for that. You can go to saddleback.com slash maturity, and you'll see um, info on all that coming up. Um, another thing that we wanted to mention is a book by a friend of Saddleback, former pastor at Saddleback, Lee Strobel, called Case for the Creator, um, which is just a great book that really gets into a bunch of the science stuff. If you're sitting there going like, wow, I could really have used more science, then this book might be for you. So you can go and, and check out that do book. Do I have to do math? Uh, you do not have to do math. So it's there you go. For you. It's all but Yeah, exactly. It's laid out perfectly for you. Um, so um, that's a great book. Along with the books that we talked about last week, which was uh, The Story of Reality, mm-hmm. um, Stealing from God uh, by Frank Turek, and Finding Truth by... Nancy Piercy. Yep. I, I remember those. Great. Um, you, and Doug, you referenced John Lennox. He has a book, Seven Days, um, mm. another great book in this in this area. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, you, you may have noticed, I mean, if you've read the if you've read Genesis one and two and you know like, okay, the Bible says that there were these six days of creation and then a seventh day of rest. We didn't touch on that today because mm. the timeline of creation wasn't really super important to the discussion. But yeah, that'd be a great way for you to learn more about so what what exactly are these seven days of creation, how do we interpret that, or how are the ways that that can be interpreted? You, you may want to get to enjoy that. his accent. Well, yeah. Which is great. Well, I don't know if you can read in an accent. I guess you could just oh, mimic that's true. his accent. Listen to the audiobook. Jason, Jason so. can well, read in an accent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that British... British-English combo, or excuse me, British-Irish exactly. combo. Before I do believe you, you can walk on water because he created water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, before you read, times. make sure to go on YouTube or something like that and just type yeah. in John Lennox. You need to have John Lennox's voice, voice in your head. head. Maybe he does the audio version. Check, Go to Audible and that, see if yeah. he does his own reading. I, I could see him doing his own reading, and it would be so good. 
the other thing we wanted to mention is to go back and read the uh, account of creation from the Bible. So read the first two chapters of Genesis. Hold off on chapter three, because we'll get to that next yeah. week. But read the first two chapters. Cool. That's Anything what I got. Else? Sweet, sweet, sweet. Thanks for watching or listening. I mean it this time. We'll see you next week. <laughs> if you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.